Welcome to Inside Personal Growth Podcast. Deep dive with us as we unlock the secrets to personal development, empowering you to thrive. Here, growth isn't just a goal, it's a journey. Tune in, transform, and take your life to the next level by listening to just one of our podcasts. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And joining me from Santa Barbara, California, just a little piece up the road from me here in Encinitas, is Diana Rabb. And Diana and I are going to be speaking about, Diana, can you hold up this book, which is the newest book, Hummingbird, Messages from My Ancestors. And Diana, good day to you. How are you? Good day, Greg. Thank you for having me. I'm fantastic. Well, I want to let my listeners know that you're quite the writer um, and a memoirist, which I hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. And then I actually looked it up because I didn't know what it was. But you have you're somebody who has a good memory. <laughs> uh, like you're also, into them. <laughs> you're also a poet, poet, uh, an essayist, a blogger and a speaker. She presents workshops in writing for healing and transformation. She has a PhD in psychology with a concentration in transpersonal psychology. Uh, I have one in spiritual psychology. How about that from USM? With a research focus on healing and transformative powers of the uh, of memoir writing, her educational background also includes health administration, nursing, and creative writing. Uh, so she's got quite a background. Uh, she's been writing since a very early age. Um, and she has, I think, 13 books, award-winning books and articles and poems. Um, she's got one, Writers on the Edge, 22 writers speak about addiction and dependency and writers and their notebooks. Uh, two memoirs, Regina's Closet, Finding My Grandmother's Secret Journal, and Healing with Words, A Writer's Cancer Journey. She has five poetry collections, <coughs> including An Imaginary Affair, Poems Whispered to Nerda, is it? Narda? Naruda. Naruda. Uh, her writing workshops and inspirational speaking engagements are based on her books, uh, today, we're going to be talking about hummingbirds. You can find our blogs on Psychology Today, Thrive Global, Medium, The Wisdom Daily, Six, 60 and Me, and The Good Men Project. Oh, is he a cool guy, The Good Men Project. Love that guy. Um, hold your book up again, if you would, Diana. We're sure. going to be talking about hummingbirds. And believe it or not, in my logo for my company is a hummingbird because the Indians and the ancestry has significant meaning. Uh, and the hummingbird has significant meaning for me. So you have this fascinating background. You're somebody who teaches writing. You're somebody that writes poetry. You're somebody that's a psychologist. You've used all these things in an interesting way to kind of build to really take you where you are today. Uh, tell the listeners a little bit about how you got here and why Hummingbird was a really important book for you to write now. How I got here. Well, as Esther Perel says, where do I begin? Uh, I uh, started writing when I was about 10 years old, when my grandmother uh, and my caretaker uh, took her life in my childhood home. And my mother was an English major at the time, and she handed me a journal, and she said, just write your feelings. And I 
it was the 60s and she really didn't know how to handle it. Therapy was not a big thing back then. So I realized from a very early age that writing heals. It makes me feel better. And then I started teaching others uh, all about writing for healing. I went on to have a difficult adolescence, being a hippie in the 60s, and I did some journaling and writing then. Then I went on bed rest with my three children. I wrote a few books on that. And so, and then I'm dealing with two cancer diagnoses. So I've always turned to writing as a form of healing, and I love sharing my passion uh, with others. So that's basically my life in a nutshell. I was a nurse for a few years until I had to go on bed rest. And I do have my PhD in psychology and a master's in creative writing. But my passion has always been writing and healing. All the professions I've done have always been aligned with that. Well, there's so much that can happen that transforms somebody as a result of them putting their words on paper and being able to express themselves. I know when I was in the class on in spiritual psychology, we would write about our angers and our frustrations and thing happens in life. And, and the, the, the teachers would say, you know, the reality is you don't even need to read it back. What we want you to do is burn it and literally kind of burn up all of this anger and frustration you've been holding. Um, there is no, it's not necessary to read it back. And I thought that was kind of interesting, right? It was an interesting approach. Have you ever heard of that? I have. I actually taught some workshops at funeral homes and uh, just helping people navigate grief. And one of the funeral homes had a little, actually had a little um, outdoor fire pit and they were telling people to burn their words. I'm not really a big fan of that because as a writer, I believe all words are precious and they might come in handy later Mm -hmm. uh, for the kind of projects. So I'm not a big fan of it, but you know, if it makes you feel better, why not? Well, I think it's a way to release things, right? And it can be. Um, And it's not like they're not, they're releasing through memory, through my psychology. And you started the book off with beautiful poem and the chapters kind of seamlessly blend poetry and your memoir. How did you navigate the intersection of these two genres and what do you believe each from each of them will bring to the narrative of the book. Well, first I want to say, Greg, thank you so much for reading the book because um, it's amazing how many podcast <clears throat> hosts do not read the book. And I could tell by your questions that you have read the book. Um, and so sometimes poetry and memoir for me merge, but they're also, you know, comfort zones. Uh, sometimes one form calls me and sometimes another form calls me. Uh, When I was a young mother, I didn't have a lot of time to write. And so poetry was an easy thing to fit in between um, child care and and maintaining the house. And so uh, that was, you know, poetry is good like that. And my the way that I work now is I will write, let's say, 15, 20 poems at a time. And then I take a break and then I go into prose writing. So it really I see whatever calls me. You know, it's just kind of where's the flow? Where, Where am I feeling the flow? Uh, and that's basically why I, you know, and I really love writing about real life experiences because they can help other people navigate their own journeys. What advice would you have for listeners out there who've never written a line of poetry, but might like to try? And I would be one of those because I haven't, not even haiku. Um, so, you know, I, I'm sure there's people out there that could certainly 
pull it together. But is there any quick advice you'd give some people? Well, I think before you can write anything, whether it's poetry or narrative, you you have to do a lot of reading. I would say start by reading five to 10 poems a day and then just see what emerges. And, you know, poetry is really the voice of the soul. And it uh, it's good to start with either an image or a feeling because uh, it has poetry has a lot of emotions to it. So I would say start with reading. That's a good. Well, that, that's a great idea, because I know if you bought a book on poetry, I know one of the guys that I helped publish a book on poetry. Um, while his poetry was very moving, um, not usually a lot of books on poetry sell. You know what I mean? It's 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 a tough genre to get people engaged in, uh, unless maybe you go to the speakeasy or something like that where they're doing it, or you're going to a stoic event and you're you're going to bring some poetry with you as well. Um, but Hummingbird evokes a range of emotions uh, for you and hopefully for the readers. Speak with our listeners about working on the emotional landscape of the story and how did your background in psychology and health contribute to really writing this book? Well, I think, you know, because I'm very interested, I've always been very interested in the psyche. And so even from a young age, I was reading psychology books and uh, personal stories of people going through um, challenging experiences in their life. You know, writers want to elicit emotions. That makes me feel really good that you felt some emotions that were elicited. Sometimes it's not easy writing about emotions. uh, And oftentimes to write about an experience, it's good to have a distance from it. Because if we're too close to it, it's... We don't see it clearly. So how to do it is just, I tell people to just get in touch with their heart center. It's much easier to write from our heads, to write, you know, what you're, what you're seeing, but not necessarily what we're feeling is very hard. So I tell people to write from their hearts and it's not so much, I believe it's not so much about the experience you had, but how did the experience affect you and change you? So that's something we have to really dig deep into your psyche, and that's when you touch your emotions. Yeah, I think that emotions are expressed in so many different ways, but writing about them is truly a cleansing. It's an Mm -hmm. opportunity to cleanse. Uh, It's one thing to get angry at somebody and express an emotion that way, and sometimes it's tied up. It's another thing to go deep with the emotion through an experience of writing. Uh, and truly trying to either cleanse it or come clear with it or understand it better and how it's affecting uh, me and how it's affecting other people around me. Um, every chapter of the book starts with quotes, insightful quotes. Um, how do you choose these quotes and what important role do they play in setting the tone for each chapter? Because, you know, there's a lot of people that start books with quotes. But maybe not a lot of people that have kind of their seamless kind of memoir plus their book inside of this and then start it with a quote. Um, Any sense on how you chose it and what are the meaning behind them? Well, thanks for noticing. I've always loved quotes. You know, when I teach my workshops, I very often have quote cards and I have people, you know, uh, pick them like from a pile and they're supposed to write about that quote. Uh, I use, I actually have a file on my computer of my favorite quotes. So I kind of pulled from there. And when I couldn't find anything that was pertinent, I, you know, 
Mr. Google helped me out. Ah, uh-huh. so you you were doing that. So um, I have a friend who created an app with just quotes in it. There's two thousand some odd quotes, and oh. as soon as I find it here. I am going to actually give it to you and I'm going to give it to everybody who's listening today. I will make sure that I get this. One is called Brain Bump, which is not the first one, uh, but that is that is a good one. And it's an app you can get for your phone. And it also has authors books with their quotes on it that uh, Mark allows for free, right? Um, the other one, and I'm looking, so let me get this because this would be good for you and for my listeners is to be wise. It's called to be wise. And I'm going to take it up and I'm just going to like show it to the screen if I can for a minute. There you go. So it's kind of hard maybe for my listeners to see this, but the, the quote scroll and you also can pick the topic. And there's some videos. Um, The opportunity for brotherhood presents itself every time you meet a human being. Uh, Jane Wyman, uh, Dale Carnegie. You can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in them more than interested in yourself. So great, great quote little uh, app here. Everybody go out and get it to be wise. Um, Diana, in my grandmother, my guide section of the book, you tell the story of your grandmother. Can you briefly share the story with the listeners and why that was so significant in, and memorable for you? Right. Well, um, my, it was my maternal grandmother, and it was actually the story is the basis of my first memoir, which is called Regina's Closet. And I just got, described her suicide when I was 10. She basically taught me how to write, how to, be, how to use a typewriter. And I think I wrote my first poem on her typewriter which was in her room. She was orphaned in World War One at the age of 11. And she also went through the cholera uh, pandemic. So it was interesting how I, her name came up uh, through the hummingbird, of course, the hummingbird visit, uh, as we were both going through pandemics at different times in history. I was going through the COVID-19. She was going through, she went through the cholera. Uh, and so I do share some of her journal entries because uh, she was a writer too. Uh, in Hummingbird, journal entries from World War One. What is what is the significance of the Hummingbird for you? I'm just curious because you draw from your own life experience. How do you approach, you know, what we call the process of transforming personal stories into a work of fiction? And what considerations did you keep in mind? Well, in answer to your question about the hummingbird, I mean, the significance really is if you read, and I think you mentioned earlier about Native Americans, they do believe that, that there is the, the hummingbirds have connections to the heavens. And so when when I was in my writing studio during the pandemic the whole time, there was a hummingbird that kept coming to the red flowers outside. And so I, after a while, I took it that it was my grandmother visiting, giving me messages. And so I started communicating with the hummingbird. And I did get answers. Uh, in terms of fiction, I'm not a fiction writer, and I feel much more comfortable writing in the first person. But there are people, some students that prefer writing fiction because the stories are too mm, too sensitive for them. Maybe it was some trauma. 
And so they would write in the third person or if someone was alive that they wanted to write about, it's easier for them to write in the third person. Yeah. Removed from your story, obviously. Yeah. And I love the part you're talking about with the hummingbirds giving you a message from the heavens because, you know, there's significance in a hummingbird for me. Number one, it's on everything I have. It's on the logo for my company. Um, And the reason is exactly that about, you know, being closer to one with a higher source, uh, to God, um, to basically getting messages from someplace and using your intuition with a greater level. I think writing requires that people tap into intuition. What are they feeling? What is it that is moving them? Um, And it's a very important element that I think people need to cultivate. They haven't cultivated uh, probably enough of it. Now, we know that your trauma uh, that you've had, uh, you've obviously been through this this bout with cancer too, Um, your depression and resilience. What advice would you give listeners who might be experiencing personal and emotional challenges like that? They're either having a health problem, they're having a marital problem, they're having a financial problem, they're having some kind of trauma in their life. Uh, And how did you get through it? Well, my answer often is writing. So most people are most comfortable with journal writing. I would say how to, a lot of people ask me how to start. And I would say if the problem is, if the trauma or the difficulty you're having is with another person, or if it's with cancer, I always suggest writing a letter, write a letter to your cancer, write a letter to someone that's hurt you. Not that you have to ever send it, but I think when you have a, a target or a focus of where the where the feelings are coming from, that it's much easier to get the words on the page. The second thing I would really suggest is exercise. I mean, most studies these days about depression, I mean, some, you know, definitely therapy and sometimes medications are indicated, but studies have shown that, you know, increasing your heart rate, getting out every day uh, is really important. I saw my acupuncturist today and he, you know, because I was dealing with my own health issues and she's, said, just make sure to walk 10,000 steps a day. So I think the trend right now is to get your body moving. Get your body well, moving. and, you, you know, I think another part of that in exercise is just being out in nature. Um, there's, was, so, yes. there's so much that becomes important to us. I think we think it's super important. You know, that next email, that posts on Instagram, whatever it might be, when really you know, going into the trees or by the ocean or taking a hike in the woods um, has so much more impact on our emotions uh, than anything else we could do. So getting your 10,000 steps in while walking down the beach or while walking in a forest or while walking in your favorite place is the place to do it. And it's a big emotional release. Anything you want to add to that? Absolutely no, then you've said it all. I, and the next thing, I, the third thing I was going to mention is journaling, um, journaling, exercise, and getting into nature. Bingo. Perfect. And I think, and I think that exercise could be, and I'm going to suggest this for people, is uh, you know, some people for some people it's ITP. It includes in martial arts and meditation. It's kind of a combination. Uh, George Leonard was on the show many years ago before he died, and he was the founder of ITP. Uh, he also was the founder with Michael Murphy of Eslon. Uh, so 
when I remember sitting in George's living room and saying, what was ITP, um, integrative transformative process, it was really this combination of a martial arts movement along with yoga and meditation all combined into one class. And I can remember doing that up in um, uh, San Rafael at the studio. And I'll never forget the experience I had from that, Diana. It was like I was on a different plane when I left. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, look, an hour of that a day or an hour and a half of that a day is going to change your life. And you mentioned that sometimes it's good to stop and examine our lives and to put it in a deeper uh, connection, to make a deeper connection um, with our consciousness. Uh, in what ways did the process of creating hummingbird deepen your understanding of yourself and your consciousness? Well, in a lot of ways, but I first want to also say that <clears throat> while um, ancestors are people that can be relatives, it can also be mentors that have passed on, and it can also be places. You know, you mentioned Esalen. Well, Big Sur is one of the places that. Uh, just really informs a lot of my writing and informs me. It's kind of, I consider it one of my ancestors because it's just uh, has so much character and it has so much, it brings so much into my life. So I think when I, um, when I came from it, kept connecting with my uh, ancestors felt like I was being grounded in today with all the chaos going on in the universe. I felt very grounded being connected with people that have lived before me that have survived, but were survivors as well of wars uh, and various health issues. I also mentioned that uh, those who have lived through trauma and challenging events also tend to be more conscious and more intuitive. We have to be tuned in if we're going through difficult times. It just makes it um, just makes it easier to navigate. Um, And of course, that's also controversial, whether intuition is a inherited trait or is it learned? And I believe it's a combination. You know, up in your neck of the woods, I've been there. Was a uh, Krishnamurti used to have a place, and then through that, and through a lot of my experiences and going to meditation retreats, I got introduced to some great people. And I want to go back to this because um, Mark Watts, Alan Watts's son, is going to be on for a program coming up here uh, called the Tao of Now. And in in reflecting. When you look at the body of work, like your body of work, I'm just looking at it, 13 books and all this other thing. I think as people get in this and go to your website, it's going to be quite an awakening for them to look at writing with bliss uh, or writing in bliss. You know, the point is, is that you help people get connected to a new level of consciousness in which they can express their ideas, um, I'm going to say more with more meaning, with more purpose, with more fulfillment, uh, with more joy, with more happiness, with more love. And that's what I would say you do with all the works that you've come out with. Um, so that's a good thing. So go ahead. I said thank you. Yeah. So. You said that one of the most compelling aspects of writing a memoir is the ability to look back at our lives, reflect about our lives. Uh, Were there moments during the writing process that you found unexpected insights or revelations about yourself? 
I think there's always revelations when you're writing. You know, I when I start out with a project, I usually start it in my journal and I never know where it's headed. Although I knew the title of this book was going to be Hummingbird, but I had no idea where it was going. It started with the hummingbird visitation and the book ended with, you know, maintaining a legacy with my children and grandchildren. And so uh, I'm constantly having more revelations now. This year I turned 70 and just reflecting back and at all the plethora of experiences I've had, I'm a very aware, intuitive person, but I didn't, I didn't really have too many new insights in the book, but it just, like I said before, it just really grounded me in, in my, in that I'm doing the right thing in my life, that I'm do I'm following my passion. I'm following my heart. I'm trying to spread love and compassion in the universe. I'm trying to think positively as opposed to, you know, I'm trying to stay in the light as opposed to the dark, because that's, that's what I need to survive. And I hope others will kind of catch on to that. So I think well, that's I, I get that from you and happy birthday, happy 70th. I'll be 70 in July, so I'm just right behind you. And it's interesting how as we age, our perspective shifts about the important what's important in life. Mm-hmm. And you almost wish there was that movie where I think I forget who was in it, but you age backwards. Uh, I kind of yeah. wish that I kind of wish life had had the insights that I had now when I was 18 years old um, versus having to wait another, you know, 60 years to get, get, get those or 52 years as it might be. But the point is, is that, you know, if we could have the wisdom and insight that we have now uh, early on. I think it would make our life a lot easier and a lot less challenging. Although I believe the way God made us, he wanted to give us those challenges so that we could learn and get to where we are today. So, uh, you know, the reality is you've got to go through them. So at the end of each chapter of the book, with a series of reflections or writing prompts, this is the cool part. Uh, to inspire the reader, identify and explore significant events in their life. If you were to choose three of those reflections or writing prompts from any chapter in the book, what would you leave the audience with today and lead them to embrace a life of their dreams? Because you're talking about bringing light to them. Uh, With light comes greater levels of consciousness and awareness. And I think if there were prompts that anybody could give me, it would be to provide me with greater levels of awareness about what is. Mm. That's a great prompt for sure. And uh, uh, what would they be? I think the first thing would be is what brought you bliss as a child and what brings you bliss now? And can you connect the two? Can you Mm -hmm. connect the cross? The next question would be is, in what way do you want to honor your ancestors? And I guess the third one would be, in keeping with the premise that we're all brought here for a reason and that we have a life purpose, what do you say yours is? I know mine because I worked on this, and it hasn't changed, although I'm going to relook at it. I exist to serve to inspire passion. So passion biblically means one thing, but to me, it means helping people come from confusion and misunderstanding to clarity 
and understanding. And the whole program inside personal growth, and I've said this before, is about providing people resources to gain clarity on not only who they are and what they are, but really who they want to become and what they want to make a difference in the world doing. Yes, and and I think people like you and I who are seekers are constantly looking for that one thing or a few things that really can help others. And uh, for some people, it comes easy, and other people just struggle with it their whole life. So I feel like I'm lucky. I think what you've given them is a book and or books that help them with the, you know, look, when people are lost, and I'll use this analogy of like hiking up a mountain and having to cut back the brush. You know, you can't see the path. You're trying to create a path. But all of us are on a spiritual path, whether we know it or not, to get to the top of the mountain. It's just that we don't all take the same path. There's many different mount- paths to the top of the mountain, right? When we get to the top of the mountain, usually what's happening is there's clarity. Uh, you can see across the land. You can see the path you took. You mm-hmm. can see a lot of things that you would normally see. So as an, an kind of an allegory or story, I would say it's really cool when you get to the, I, I just, for your edification, and my I think many of my listeners already know this, but last year, uh, I helped write a book called The Precipice of Life. And in the process of that, I got to interview 26 of the top mountain climbers in the world who climbed the highest peaks, um, all of the eight highest peaks that there are. So we're talking Everest and all of them, right? And in the process of interviewing, I would see hear this same thing, Diana, you're not living, I don't want you to take everybody to take this literally, you're not living unless you're facing death. So you, it, I think it depends on how you really want to look at that. I would say you're not really living unless you're challenging yourself. So in each of these individuals' case, it is the pursuit of the challenge that's more important than the top of the peak. Mm-hmm. True. Okay. Absolutely true. And is I mean, in the end, we're not going to be recalled by how many mountaintops we climbed. We're going to yeah. be recalled for the love and compassion and the numbers of people that we've affected as a result of telling our story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now it might include that drive to the top of Everest, but more importantly, it's going to include the analysis that I've made about life's events along the way to actually be able to make it to the top of that mountain. So I would say your book does that for people. I'm going to tell my listeners, will you hold it back up again? Mm-hmm. Hummingbird, her memoir, but also her poetry, and also an opportunity to prompt you to chronicle your life and journal with the prompts in the back of the book. Uh, Diana, anything you want to leave the listeners with? No, I would just continue to say, follow your heart and follow your bliss. And uh, it's not about the destination. It's the journey that's important. Just what we talked about. That's what we well, talked about. 
Namaste to you. Namaste. Thank you for being on Inside Personal Growth and spending a few minutes with our listeners about your new book. Uh, folks, we'll have a link to this on Amazon. Go out and get it. It breaks January what? 15th. 15th. So you can pre-order it now? Yes. Thanks, Diana. And for those that are not on Amazon, you can go to my website and you can find my publisher's uh, address there. It's also on Barnes & Noble and Bookshop. Oh, it's everywhere. So yeah. it's not just Amazon, which we know. We have a tendency to forget that, though. <laughs> <I> do. <laughs> Only because the Amazon is the elephant in the room. <laughs> but I do exactly. get it. I do get it. Or you can go to one of our book signings, by the way, which when you go to her website, look under events, you'll see that she's doing some books, book signings. She lives in Santa Barbara. So for those listening in Santa Barbara, Check it out under readings and signings. She's also got some workshops coming up on the 23rd, the 25th, and the 27th. And all of these are around how to become uh, a, actually a better writer. So thank you, Diana. Thank you, Greg. Thank you so much. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again, and have a wonderful day.